Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 2219. Be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Today I'm in Lake Villa, Illinois, with a very special guest by the name of Patrick Crook. Patrick, welcome to Cars Yeah. Do you have any gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? Yeah, brother. Let's let her rip. All right. We'll have some fun. Now, before I give you a proper introduction and we talk about this very cool new book you've authored, what's one little thing that maybe people don't know about Patrick Crook? Probably that in addition to being a car guy, I'm also an avid mountain biker. I race mountain bikes uh, in the wintertime. Whoa, in the wintertime. Yes, that's right. 30 mile. Um, the race I love to do is uh, annually first weekend in November in Traverse City, Michigan. That's a 30 mile uh, mountain bike race. And uh, it usually attracts between three and 4,000 other racers. Oh my gosh. Holy cow. That's, yeah. that's incredible. Well, and is there snow there by that time of year that you're riding in? It's a great time of year because... It really depends. You can get there, and uh, the ice man can be the nice man. It can be sixty and and and, um, and beautiful and 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 dry, or uh, it could have rained like it did last uh, this year for twelve hours prior to race start. Oh no! And then drop down and yeah, <laughs> um, and uh, or yeah, or you can have snow. So it, it's you really have to be prepared to race in any weather. Yeah. Wow. Well, yeah, love it. my hat's off to you. That sounds pretty, uh, pretty brave. I used to do a lot of bike riding back in the day and go on long distance ride. This was way back in high school and college and a little bit beyond. Uh, I think the longest one I ever did was uh, Takati to Ensenada in Mexico. And I think that was about 80 miles, something like that. And okay. the first time I did it, I was in High school and my friends and I, it's a large group of people that do this ride and you have support vehicles that go ahead and stop. You can stop and, you know, get something to eat and drink. But, um, yeah, these, uh, I, we did it on stingrays, which was a bad idea. Don't ever do that. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> okay, duly noted. Uh, I will, I will make sure that that does not happen. Yeah. One gear stingray oh. with a lot of hills and going against the uh, ocean breeze. By the time you get there, your legs basically freeze up and cramp up and don't work anymore. <laughs> so I, I remember that. I was like, oh my gosh, I can't walk. Uh, yeah, but, um, it was a fun ride. So next year we did it on 10 speeds. It was much easier. There's a, there, that, that's actually one of the things about Iceman, uh, that is, uh, really entertaining because all of the hills, huh, the majority of the climbing done in that race is done in the last eight miles of the 30 mile race. Ooh. And so you'll be cranking next to somebody. Um, and some of these hills have like a, between like an eight and 10% grade. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And, and so their legs will just lock up and they'll just fall over like a cartoon. Yep. Yeah. Once your legs say I'm done, yeah. they're done. <laughs> 
Boom. Yeah. So yeah, it's a ton of conditioning. It's absolutely a ton of conditioning. Yeah, for sure. Well, that's quite so. interesting. That's why I like that question. You never know what you're going to get. Well, let me give you a proper introduction. Patrick Crook began his obsession in all things automotive as a little toddler, handing his father tools to fix the family truckster. It was a 1973 Ford Custom 500 Ranch Wagon. Today, he owns and runs Rev Muscle Cars. They do all sorts of things there that we're going to learn about. Its career has included traveling the world and building some of the most storied and exclusive private car collections. He's helped transform private collections into public museums, most notably the Wellborn Muscle Car Museum. Patrick is also a freelance journalist, a photographer, and market analyst for publications, including Mopar Collector's Guide and the Motor Trend Family of Magazine titles. His most recent book is titled How to Buy and Sell Collector Cars, providing the beginner and seasoned seller with a multitude of wisdom and advice published by our friends at CarTech. We'll be back in just a moment, but first a word from our sponsors, so give them a little love. They put the fuel in the tanks here, and we'll be right back. I've enjoyed the quality and variety of Lloyd's floor mats for decades now, and I'm super excited to report that Lloyd's Mat Store is now part of the Covercraft family of products, car care that protects the things that move you. Lloyd's floor mats are the ultimate in quality and fit with carpet mats, all-weather mats, velour techs, Berber, classic loop carpet, and they're proudly made in the USA. They're designed and sewn with the highest of quality and offer custom fitment for almost any vehicle. There's a wide variety of styles, fabrics, and colors to choose from, and hundreds of licensed logos as well. Protect your vehicle's factory carpets from moisture, dirt, mud, snow, slush, anything that Mother Nature can throw your way. All of your options are quality made, easy to clean, they secure to the floor, and they look oh so good. Check out Lloyd's Mat Store for a wide variety of styles, colors, and options for your vehicle today. And I've got a special deal for you. If you use the code CARSYEAH, C-A-R-S-Y-E-A-H, at lloydsmatstore.com, you'll get $10 off. Just use the code CARSYEAH at L-L-O-Y-D. M-A-T-S-S-T-O-R-E.com, LloydsMattStore.com, Covercraft and Lloyd's Mats, protecting the things that move you. When it was time to renew my collector car policy, my carrier raised my rates by a lot. But why? My usage was the same, my car's value was the same, and I had never made a claim. I didn't even have a ticket. The only change was their rate, and they had no reason why. What's with that? I researched my options, I spoke to others, and with American Collectors Insurance, what a difference. A live person actually answers the phone. She spent time learning about me and provided a reasonable quote. Why wait until your next premium is due? Give them a call today for your personal agreed value quote. Call 866-AC1-YEAH. That's 866-224-9324. Tell them you're a friend of mine. Mark Green at Cars Yeah. American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. Automotive enthusiasts just like you and me. That's American Collectors Insurance. I've teamed up with AutoGeek because... 
Well, they've been the leading source of auto detailing products, accessories, for more than 20 years. Their Pinnacle Sovereign Paste Wax is specially formulated from Brazilian Carnuba Wax. It's easy to apply on any paint surface and provides that warm glow that we love, especially me on my vehicles. You're going to love it too. A favorite of car shows countrywide, Pinnacle Sovereign Paste Wax from AutoGeek wipes on easily, requires no drying time, is easy to remove, and provides up to 90 days of protection against damaging environmental contaminants. This wax is designed to exceed the standards of the most discriminating enthusiasts and collectors. Go to autogeek.net to get yours for the best product selection on the internet today, along with their very skilled technical support. Autogeek.net. That's where I go for all my detailing needs. That's autogeek.net. Patrick, we're back. So I want to talk first before we dive into this book yeah. more about your business because you are a multifaceted kind of guy. It's a light, uh, along with riding uh, bikes long distances in the cold, this Rev Muscle Cars, uh, you do a lot of different things there. So kind of walk us through that business and all the different services that you provide. Uh, sure. I, I mean, you know, I, I end every single email. I sign every single email with Keep the Hobby Fun. And uh, so all the services we provide are really designed to do that. Every point of contact that represents a hassle that's normally associated with the hobby, that's typically either the acquisition or disposition of the cars themselves, we handle. So if you, you know, if you're looking for a car, we will help you find uh, that car, execute a national or even an international uh, search find out what it is that you're looking for, why you want it, and make sure that we find the one that's most congruent with those needs. Mm-hmm. Same thing when it goes it comes time to uh, sell a car. I mean, I've been I've been brokering cars in full white glove concierge service since 2003, so nearly 20 years. The cars never leave a person's in possession or control um, unless you have a storage issue that you need solved. Then, yeah, we'll we'll help you find a place to house the vehicle while we're offering it for sale. But uh, we handle everything soup to nuts, evaluating the car on the front end, letting you know what we think fair market value is, giving you a gray sheet that says, hey, here are the things that you can do to the car to enhance its market value, helping you find the right people to do that with if you don't have your own resources, just in prepping the car for market, marketing the car through um, our networking channels, through um, online media, social media, and even print uh, still, and handling every single one of those interactions through delivery to the new owner. Um, So you don't have to do anything as a seller except cash a check. Nice. Well, and with the uh, the growth of online marketplace and auction houses, I would assume this has just done nothing but expand your world. Um, It really does. And there's a lot of people who've done a good job of, of um, building new, you know, broad-based marketplaces, um, but they really still are a DIY kind of deal. You know, um, even a, bring a trailer, which has come on strong over the past few years, they collect a, uh, a fee from the buyer when they win the bid, but they really don't, you know, mediate the, the transfer of the sale, or there is no check to see if that car is exactly what was represented on the front end, you know, and that's something that we do. Every car that we represent has been inspected by an independent third party that we've trained to inspect cars our way. They're usually recruited from ranks of concourse judges, both at national and regional levels. And we also give people an opportunity uh, to check our homework and have the car inspected prior to completing a deal. So our our version of um, measure twice, 
cut once. <laughs> Even with the expansion of online marketplaces and, and an online auction, there is still a lot of need and relevance to uh, to what we do. In fact, sometimes we'll we'll even put a car um, out to auction um, online because you know that might be the best place to find uh, a buyer for one of our consigners. We still get more money for that car than you would if you typically did it on your own. Yeah, you know, I sold a car and bring a trailer for the first time. Uh, I bought is actually I bought that car that I sold from eBay or on eBay 13 mm-hmm. years ago. It ended up being a great car, went up a huge amount in value. But what I did was I, and it's what you're providing. I separated myself from the selling process, and mm-hmm. I hired a guy who'd been a guest of my show, Rafi Manazian, to handle all that for me. And I just stepped back and he even advised me, he said, don't even comment during the process because it removes the emotional person, which I would have been if somebody had said something bad about my car. Hey, wait a minute. Uh, But it allows an intermediary, which is what you provide to come in. And that gives the buyer some confidence too, because you don't want your reputation soil by representing something that's not what it is. And as I'm paying you to do that, you want me to be happy with the best price I can get. So it's it's really a win-win. I, I would advise anybody going forward, especially if they have a higher valued car like I had, is to hire somebody like yourself to help with the process. And it removes you from the middle of everything, which is a good thing to do, right? With the emotion that gets involved. Yeah, that's exactly right. In addition to, I mean, you know, when you're trying to, when you're trying to sell a car that you're emotionally attached to, it's really difficult to become objective. You know, it, it's, it's impossible. Um, <laughs> basically, what the buyer is asking is, okay, um, I'd like to marry your daughter, but tell me first how ugly she is. <laughs> yeah, that's not going to go over very well, is it? <laughs> you know, it's not going to go over very well. And, and you know, that's either you're going to get upset and offended and like, uh, look, she's not going to be married to anybody, especially you, um, you know, or to start to make irrational excuses like, well, you know, look, it's just, it's not that the third eye in the middle of her forehead is, <laughs> is awful. She, she just sees better than other girls. <laughs> yeah. We you dropped know, her a but, few times when she was little. Yeah. That's come why on, she's you know, a and, slow. And, right. So, so there, there is definitely a, a, an advantage to it. The other thing too, with someone like yourself, um, who's a high profile uh, person of reputation in the community. And, and we've sold for plenty of people like that as an intermediary, I can edify you. I can go, look, this car is really good because Mark owns it. And this is the kind of stand-up pillar of the automotive community that Mark is. And, you know, his car is reflected in, in his love and dedication to the hobby, you know, or his expertise. If you said that, you'd sound like a conceited jerk. <laughs> right. I understand. Right? Yeah, exactly. Sure. Right. So it, it is absolutely a win-win. Yeah, it's a great yep. thing. I'd recommend it to anybody. Well, that leads us to this cool book. My friends at CarTech send me... Uh, so many of the great books they do. And I got this one and it really stood out for me for a couple of reasons. How to buy and sell collector cars. And when I look at this book, it and you and I spoke a little bit before I had you on the show here that you really want to help people through this process. Now you do it through your business, but the book is doing the same thing. So I want to talk a little bit about the different aspects of this book. It's got a lot of chapters in it and we won't have time to get into every one of them, but I really want Instead, people go and buy the book, of course, and get into the details. But let me first ask you, why did you write the book? Well, you know, I wrote the book because I realized that as much as my business has had an impact um, as a boutique brokerage and made a difference for individual collectors through the years, it really wasn't having 
the kind of impact or effect on the hobby at large that I um, I feel a mission of service to have. Okay, you know, there's a lot of people who would be in this hobby that aren't anymore because uh, they've been blown out by a bad experience. You know, so that's one reason. There's a mission of service to it. Yeah. You don't make a whole lot of money writing a book like this. It took two years to write. The other reason is I was asked to, uh, <laughs> yeah. because because the publisher of Cartech's best friend went to an auction to buy a '68 uh, Yenko clone, and uh, despite being a car guy, a lifelong car guy, came home with a truck motor that was pasted together with paper mache. Yeah, that yeah. was the car. Wow. And, and um, you know, he ended up having to um, completely rebuild the car in order for it to live up to its original uh, billing mm-hmm. at the auction. And I said, well, I said, listen, now that you have this, is, it's done. And it's been like four years. And now you're, you're double your bid price yes. into the car. When you go out into the garage and you look at the car, what do you, what's your first thought? How do you feel? And he goes, a seething anger boils up from <laughs> yes. deep in my gut. The, uh, the antithesis of what you should feel. <laughs> exactly. And, and that's the thing about it, is that we're not here hawking cars. We are protecting a lifelong joy. He, he wanted one of those cars his whole adult life since he was a kid. And look, look what the experience did to him. Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah, that's absolutely terrible, and that's exactly why I wrote the book to you know to give everybody a um, you know a, a basically it's our playbook. This is the process that we use in order to keep the hobby fun through through rev through our business and and the set of principles that you can look at and apply regardless of what your objective is behind collecting in order to end up with the right car for yeah. you. No, it's really great. And I wanted to touch at the beginning, your first chapter is titled The Road Trip of Desire Begins with the End in Mind. Now, mm-hmm. as all of us fa- want to find the car of our dreams, all of us who are into cars, and you've been there, I've been there, the idea of the end in mind, I'm wondering what you mean by that. I can guess what I think you mean, but what do you mean by that when somebody starts off on the desire to fill that void in their garage? Well, I, I framed it that way because usually when someone get, gets into the hobby, it starts out with a vague daydream. Uh, you know, the, the, the poster on the wall, uh, the notion that they've always wanted, right? And then they start asking people in the community what they should be looking for, what they should be doing. And they come up with a paint-by-numbers list of things that they think are going to keep them safe, buying the right car, and, and end up with a high level of satisfaction. And usually you get a mismatch of purpose. You know, you're asking all of the core, the, uh, I affectionately call them cork sniffers, <laughs> the people who are the con- the concourse uh, crowd that is really concerning about changing, uh, you know, uh, uh, the parts vendor that changed on this production date and whether or not your call falls before or after that production date. That doesn't mean that y- you have the wrong clip, you know, versus the correct clip. And your rules of happiness are, t- are tied to whether or not you have that clip. So all of these these rules of happiness build up in, a, in someone's mind that they've got to get all of that in order to be happy, and it just ends up being anxiety, <laughs> right? Yeah. And, and, and let's say they do find that perfect car. Let's say you go out and get a, a Duntobbed Corvette, and you bring it home, and then you realize, well, I, I just wanted to go with my family to the to the 
dog and suds on the weekend and some kid's going to lean into the car with his ice cream and I'm going to have a fit over it or I'm going to wince every time I hear a rock chip on the floor pan. I gotcha. Well, yeah. that's not the right car for that person. Right. Okay. And, and how many, it, it, Mark, I can't tell you how many times people buy a car and then they call me and they go, I can't, I can't live with this thing. And, and I brace myself and I either find <laughs> out whether or not it's one of two things. One, they bought too much car. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's, it's a holy relic rather than a car they can enjoy. Um, you know, or they really stepped into a purchase mistake. The car's not even real. It's a, it's something that's been faked up. Sure. It's one of those two things. So when I say begin with the end in mind, it means getting really real with you or with yourself about what the purpose of it is. Picture yourself about how you're going to enjoy it because you're not buying a thing. You are purchasing a commit, a time commitment, how you're going to spend your time. And if you are going to enjoy spending your time looking at a car in a building and making sure it stays spit spot finished and then occasionally bring people over and you get to tell them about the little date codes on each little thing <laughs> and why that clip is the deal and the other one wasn't, you know, then that is the right car for you. But if you close your eyes and you think about it and go, no, the Corvette that I wanted, I'm on the 101, the top is down, there's a strong cross breeze, and I'm just knocking down the miles. Well, that's a different car. Yeah. No, it's a great you way know, to start. And, and, I love it. It's yeah. it's a perfect start. We'll take a short break and we'll thank our sponsors. We come back. I've got a challenge question, but I'm going to mix it up a little bit for you. So keep that thought in mind and we'll be right back. You've heard me talk about Linkage Magazine here on Cars. Yeah, for a couple of years now. Well, they're growing. And in 2023, they're going to grow from four issues a year to six. And there's an opportunity here for you to take advantage of this growth. If you go to LinkageMag.com and click on the Renew button, if you already subscribe, you can get a great deal. Use the code RENEW6 for one year and you'll get six issues for the price of four or type in RENEW12 for two years where you also have a great savings. Plus, they'll even throw in a free Linkage hat. How cool is that? The publisher of Linkage is Donald Osborne. He's been a guest multiple times here on Cars Yeah. He's become a good friend of mine and I'll tell you, Linkage Magazine is one of those newer magazines that you're going to want to get. It's all about experiences, opinions, and values. It's a wonderful publication, something I look forward to getting. And now that I'm going to be getting six a year, even more special. So go to LinkageMag.com. Again, use the code RENEW6 or RENEW12 to get that special deal. Do it before December 31st, 2022, so that in 2023, you'll get six issues of Linkage Magazine instead of four. Did you know that less than 3% of all automotive technicians in the United States are women? You may not be surprised, but you should be concerned because our country is facing a massive technician shortage right now. Skilled, qualified techs are in high demand. And we need young women and men to consider these careers as a viable path to a fulfilling life. I've interviewed hundreds of women in the automotive sector here on Cars Yeah, and I know that women make great techs. That's why I support the nonprofit TechForce Foundation and its Women Techs Rock initiative to ensure women see themselves in the profession, the industry, and the workforce. Learn more at techforce.org today. So typically I ask people to share a big challenge they have, but I'm going to mix this up because this book to me is 
is oh so important having bought a lot of collector cars and and over time and I've I've been fortunate because most of the cars I bought have been great cars but over time my lifestyle has changed so my wishes have changed but I want to go back to the biggest and there's a lot of challenges when it comes to training and helping people through this book and and the way you do it with buying cars but what is the biggest challenge that you see that people face when it comes to trying to buy a car of their dreams and maybe we already answered it with beginning with the end in mind um yeah you know what that's a really great question the i know there's so many challenges but but i you know there's there, there's got to be a repeated message in through your book I, I think I already know what it is because I've looked at your book, but what you keep running into with people when it comes to going out and trying to find the car of your dreams, whatever that dream might be, could be a Concours Lawns dream or it could be I'm going to go drive it and I don't care if it gets dirty dream. Yeah, fr- frankly, Mark, it's it's making sure that people understand that they're, they are buying a reward, that they're looking at a way to spend their free time. And that you're, they're using it to create moments for themselves to celebrate. The biggest challenge, because a lot of the people who do collect cars are very driven people, they end up turning it into another business instead of a hobby. And uh, that gets in the way of them really enjoying it because they bottom line everything to dollars and cents. You, you know, I knew that's what you were going to say. And this is something that is so important, especially with young people or anybody at any age getting into the hobby. They're at a point where they have the money now. I hear this over and over. It's a repeated message and it's simple, but people don't quite get it. Buy a car because you love it, not because you think it will be worth something later. Right. Yeah, and that's actually in. Did you read my book? Because that's in there. <laughs> <laughs> I told you. I told you. I already knew the answer. Because yeah, I've got your book right here in my hands. But I wanted people to hear this, not just from me, but from an expert in the field like you, because it's a repeated message I hear over and over. And I have friends that do this. They always wanted a Corvette. That was like a dream when they were a kid, and they finally at a point where they they can get one. They go and buy it, and they drive it home, and they say, "This is terrible. It drives like a truck. It's so yeah. it's so precious. I don't want to even take it outside, and therefore now it becomes an albatross." Right, and and um, you know, uh, okay, so that's something that they started out actually revering, right? Yes. Imagine if you're getting in the hobby just as like a lot of people are right now. Um, I was just treated to do a story the other day where, um, you know, guy was having a car delivered and he was talking with the driver and he's like the driver, the previous, uh, load that he delivered guy didn't even know how to put the car into gear to, to, uh, to drive it into his driveway. <laughs> and, and the, and the, the delivery truck driver was like, uh, Hey, um, you know, what's up? And he's like, Oh, well, these are just investments. Yeah. It's like, okay. Okay. Well, so you're, you're. There's two things about that. If you don't understand what you're buying, you are more likely to uh, walk into purchase a problem rather than <laughs> a yes. solution. Right. Yeah. And uh, and if you don't like it, if you don't love it, you're going to find a way to lose money on it. <laughs> now that's a unique way you to will. put it. I, I I've never heard it put that way, but you're right because one thing that you and I know that maybe the new collector doesn't know is the market with cars is kind of like the real estate market. 
And we're seeing that happen again. I've seen it happen so many times over my life. Interest rates go up and car values and house values go down. And if you overpaid, it's even worse because it'll never be worth what you paid for it because you kind of over, well, you didn't kind of, you overpaid, right? Yeah, there's a yes and no. I think right now in the market, it's pretty unique um, because of uh, over, like right now because of inflation and the fact that most people who are buying collectible commodities like collector cars aren't borrowing money. Um, They're trying to put money to work um, or at least let it not sit in the bank and devalue right? <laughs> yeah. because of inflation. They are looking for tangible assets to put, you know, the, to put that money to work. And therefore, car prices are continuing to go up. Now, that's not the same as the used car market or the new car market. I'm talking about the collector car market. There's, right. there's still a lot of demand behind it. And the first thing that you should do before you decide to do that, especially if you're new, especially if you've never done it before, is really understand the kinds of cars that you're looking to uh, to invest in and, and, and then back into, hey, make sure you're buying something that you like. You know, it's like when you invest in the realist, when you invest in the stock market, you look at the your computer screen and it's either green and then you're happy or it's red and you're not, you know, at least with a car, you don't really gain or lose money until you actually sell it. And if it's down, at least you can go turn the key and drive down the road or walk into your, your, your barn and enjoy what you're looking at. And it doesn't matter what the spot price is or the, the current market is on that car at the moment. Um, and if you're structured correctly, hey, you're not worried about whether or not your car is performing well or poorly in the market right now. It's, it's, it's not a first line of investment. It's a second or third line of investment. Does certainly. that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Well, there's, there's a ton of chapters in here for you listeners to learn all about this entire process. Uh, Patrick's put it together in a very concise way. I want to talk a little bit about you, though, and your passion for cars. Is there one sure. special vehicle in your life that's really stood out? You know, I, I, uh, I've been giving a lot of thought to this, and, <laughs> and I, I won't uh, – I really – it's not really fair to call it a, uh, one special vehicle. Okay. Okay. When I was a kid, about the time that I was getting my, uh, my license before I could really drive, I either would ride my bike or walk to my job, and I worked at McDonald's. I either open or close or close one night and open the next morning, you know, back to back. And along that route, there's always a guy who had, he had a, um, a, it looked like a one car garage, but it was like double or triple deep. Okay. Okay. And it was always either late at night or early in the morning. And he had a bare bulb, um, you know, fixture on. And in the glow of that, he had a whole bunch of vintage Mercury Cougars. So 67 through 70. And he was in, I got to know him because I, I'd hang out and just watch him, not say a word, and he wouldn't—he wouldn't tell me to get lost. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nice. So I just kept coming by, and it turns out he was a Ford mechanic, a local Ford mechanic, and he actually showed me how to wrench, um, you know, um, and 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 really cemented a passion for cars that I already had. Um, and even when I bought my first car, I brought it over, and he showed me how to do an alignment with, um, you know, with chalk and a and a, a measuring tape, you know, showed me how to dial it in and that kind of stuff. And so to me, you know, that Mercury Cougar 
really holds a special place in my heart. I'm a, I'm, I'm a freak for those. Yeah. Um, and if I had to, if I had a bucket list car, um, you know, it would probably be a 68 GTE, mm. you know, with the 427 in it yeah. just because, you know, and, and, um, and as I did research, um, you know, that led me to one of my favorite, um, figures, uh, in the hobby, Dan Gurney. Oh yeah. Um, you know, um, he, he's, uh, I know people love Carol Shelby. I met Carol, had breakfast with him. I respect him. Um, but for me, the guy who's the total package as far as performance driven, results oriented and, and, uh, a, a kind man and a good leader, that was Dan Gurney. Great guy. Yeah. He's, he's super. So I'm a bit of a car psychologist. I have an unofficial degree. Okay. Hanging on the wall somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> if you were, <laughs> I'll have to find it though. If you were manifest, reincarnated as a vehicle, what would you be and why? Okay, you're gonna you're gonna laugh. Uh, good, I like laughing. I, I, <laughs> uh, Kelly Yarborough drove a uh, a '61 Ford in NASCAR from '64 uh, to '67. It was a Fireball Roberts car, number ninety nine, uh, purple and gold. Wow. Okay. And uh, this was the world's fastest Ford stock car, um, and 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 holds an, a, a really early record. It was it was smashed by the Dodge Daytona, but it, it did a 170 over 170 miles an hour uh, with Fireball Roberts uh, at the wheel um, at Daytona International uh, Speedway in in Florida. And the reason I the reason I like it is because it's an absolute mongrel. All right, <laughs> you know Kelly Arbor's Team, put this thing together. Um, it's a Ford with a with a with a 482 stroke Hemi in it, with stacked injection. He brought this car to the races, and you have GM with all their trucks and all their engineers and all their money, and they get their their ass handed to them by this farmer. <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> who knows? Who knows what he's doing? And they were so frustrated, they protested, and you know. Uh, you know, uh, stamped their feet and made him, uh, and NASCAR made him add 300 pounds of steel plate ballast, and he still won races. <laughs> so I, I like that. If I were a car, I would be that thing. It's like, look, um, you know, know how innovation, grit, outperforms institutional, the machine, so to speak, you know, and, and if it, and if it were 100% that car, I'd put it in street trim and and painted a very unassuming color. <laughs> Have a sleeper, right? A uh, total sleeper. You know, um, uh, the other one that comes to mind. It was a guy who had a 12,000 mile unrestored original paint 71 six pack Cuda, tawny gold with a gold leaf painted top from the factory, white interior with wire wheels and white walls from the factory. Okay. And um, the story goes that kid graduated college. Parents said, we're going to buy you a car. Um, and uh, he wanted a big block 71 Hemi, or 71 Cuda. And mom said no. And dad said, we're going to do what we can to get it for you. And, and uh, they, basically, they basically told mom that the, that the six-pack on the hood meant that it was a six-cylinder. Yeah. <laughs> so she signed, off on the, she signed off on the purchase. Um, every time that kid would line up to somebody else at a street light, not only because he was a 
wire wheels and white walls with twenty gold, not only would he, he would serve up you know a, a loss to them and a side of embarrassment. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I I like that. I really like that. <laughs> so under please underestimate me. Uh, Go love, for it. I love it. Wonderful. Well, I always recommend a book. And of course, today, this book by Patrick Crook, our guest, How to Buy and Sell Collector Cars, uh, published by our friends at Car Tech. I'll put a link to that book so you can get your hands on it. You know, if you've got somebody in your life that wants to get into cars or a young person, this would make an awesome gift, by the way. It is the holiday season. So there you go. So I'm going to enable you to go on the ultimate drive. I'm going to buy you any car in the world, park it in your garage, and you can take it anywhere. And you can take anybody with you, even somebody who's no longer with us, which opens up the world of opportunities. So what does the ultimate drive look like for you? Well, I think I mentioned Dan Gurney earlier. Yeah, so take Dan with you. That would be cool. Um, we're, 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 um, we're doing, uh, Dan Gurney and I are doing the cannonball. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. Okay, now we're in trouble. Yeah. Because he did that. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That's what I would want to do. Dan Gurney okay. and I in the cannonball, and um, you know, uh, what are you uh, driving? maybe maybe the maybe the maybe the ambulance. You know, <laughs> oh my gosh, um, maybe the ambulance, or even even crazier, uh, my favorite wing car, um, which um, uh, not a wing, not a wing car, Finn fifties car, right? Oh, sure. Um, the uh, the fifty nine and sixty Buick. Oh, right? yeah, yeah. Now, the most evil-looking version of that body style is um, is a hearse. Mm. The 1960 Buick hearse is the most evil-looking thing that ever came out of Detroit. Yeah. <laughs> so I'd, I'd pile Dan Gurney up in one of those that he prepped, and uh, we'd, we'd do the cannonball. Well, maybe put uh, Dom DeLuise and uh, Burt Reynolds in the back seat, you know, just for there fun. They add some humor to the whole thing. So that sounds like a pretty, <laughs> that's a very unique answer to that question, but I like it. Well, you've taken us on a really fun ride today. I kind of thought you would, and this has been great. You certainly love to laugh, and you've made me laugh today, which is wonderful. Before I let you go, would you share maybe some words of inspiration or wisdom with our listeners? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, the the tagline to my my business is is find what drives you. Mm, perfect. And um, you know, I I uh, I started this business out of uh, um, a necessity. You know, uh, through through the um, the the dot collapse, uh, the dot bomb collapse of the early two thousands. Um, I was an IT recruiter, helped other people through their careers, and I just put myself on the couch, so to speak, and said, listen, if I was going to spend my time doing something, I didn't have to worry about money. How would I be spending my time and who would I be spending it with? And it was car guys. It was car people. It was that community. And I wanted to have a positive impact on that community. So my advice to anybody that they're looking for uh, a direction for their life, a sense of mission and purpose, to live out of that sense of mission and purpose is, is bring yourself through that same exercise. If, you, if money and time were not an issue, who would you be spending time with and how would you be making a positive difference in the world? And that is what drives you. Mm -hmm. So do it. I love it. Well, you fit right into the mantra here at Cars Yeah, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, people that have wrapped their passion into their careers. And in, along the way, they're helping other people, which is even better. So bravo, my friend. You figured out the secret sauce to life. How can people learn more about you? And now you have a rev, uh, rev site. You have a rev site. You have a website, revmusclecars.com, right? 
yeah, that's the business website, um, you know, for the brokerage. Uh, if you're looking to buy a car or sell one or, or uh, uh, need help uh, finding one or managing a collection. Um, I also uh, made it really simple uh, for the book and all the social media contacts and things like that. Um, it's patrickcrook.com. Um, uh, K-R-O-O-K is the last name. So patrickcrook.com. And um, the links to all the socials and stuff like that are there. And if you want an autographed copy of this book, go buy it at that website. There you go. Absolutely. I'll put links to these on Patrick's show notes page on the Carsdale website so you can look him up and check everything out. I want to do a thank you to our friends at CarTech. Wes there connected me with Patrick. So Wes, thank you very much. Uh, check out CarTech. I'll put a link to their website too. They produce a huge number of very, very useful books, a lot of how-to books and a lot of other books as well. So check them out. And like I said, for the holiday season, books are the ultimate thing to buy your car buddies because we all want a big library full of car books, right? And these books can teach you a lot of things. Patrick, thank you for being so generous today with your time and your expertise. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. You got it, Mark. Thank you for having me on. Appreciate it. You're welcome. This was fun. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.